Hey, good morning. Let's stand up. Let's sing together, Joy of the World.
Hey, God bless you guys. So glad you're here. Um, I feel like saying Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> it feels like it anyway. It's, we're almost here next week. Hey, uh, my name's Billy. Uh, I'm the worship pastor here at the church. Glad everybody's here for worship today, taking time for God. God is so honored by that. I just always want to remind you guys of that so often. So thanks for being here. Hey, before you have a seat, uh, say hi to somebody around you. We'll see you back in just a sec. Thanks. All right, let's find our way back to our seats and fix our eyes to the screens. The incredible collection of shoebox gifts that began in homes, churches, schools, and offices around mid-Michigan and the rest of the nation made its way to Charlotte, North Carolina, and the largest Operation Christmas Child Processing Center in America, where more than 2.5 million boxes will be hand-sorted, stuffed with extra gifts, taped up, and prepared for shipment to the uttermost parts of the earth. These shoeboxes represent more than just fun gifts. Each and every one of them is a gospel opportunity, introducing the children receiving them to the good news of hope in that Christ. That he took our sins and he went to the cross and he died on a cross and shed his blood for each and every one of us. That he was buried for our sins, but yet God raised him to life. That Jesus wasn't dead, he's alive. For the 12-person team from Hopevale, the week in Charlotte was a powerful time of serving, praying, working, laughing, and shedding tears as we considered the awesome privilege of playing a small part in sharing hope with children around the world. wanted to show you that video really to bring things full circle you know we launched operation christmas child here at hopevale in mid-october and several of you participated 13 1400 boxes from our church alone and then the team that went the week after thanksgiving and just great to see a church that's committed to share the love of christ literally with those around the world and so thank you for that and thanks for those of you who are part of the team that went to charlotte as well well good morning i'm dan davis senior pastor here at hopevale great to worship great to enter into these songs and you know next weekend is when our christmas services are coming up so let me just take a moment and talk to you about those. Um, we have five services over two days, okay? So Saturday the 23rd, we have a service at 5, a service at 7 p.m. And then on the 24th Sunday, we have services at 1, 3, and 5. These are identical services, so they're all the same. Uh, they each go for an hour, and the doors open half hour before each service. We have programming for kids, uh, birth through pre-kindergarten as well uh, in our kidsmen area, so you're welcome to take your kids there as well. Uh, history tells us that the 24th will be very full, so the services those days will do valet seating, which means the ushers will bring you in and seat you accordingly so we can get as many people in here as possible. Uh, 23rd might be a little lighter, so if you want a little more room, a little more flexibility, would encourage you to uh, check that out as well. This is a great opportunity to extend an invitation to family members, to friends, to, to again, just to share in Christmas worship. We've got a great service plan for you and really want you to be a part of that. So that's coming up uh, next weekend as well. And uh, because uh, Christmas Eve falls on Sunday, uh, the 24th, we won't have morning services that day, just to kind of clarify as well. So 23rd, 5 and 7, 24th, 1, 3, and 5. Looking forward to sharing that 
with you. I also want to take a moment to and just update you on our Christmas outreach offering. We've been telling you about that going all the way back to October because this year we're doing something uh, above and beyond what we normally do. Adam, Pastor Adam last week shared just some of the great things that are happening uh, locally just in God using you and your generosity to impact the lives of those around us. And we're also using this year's Christmas outreach offering to launch Hopevale Bay City in 2018 as well. We set a goal of $350,000, which is over you know, double of what we've done before, this amazing, crazy, what are we doing kind of goal. You have already given $164,000, and we're still two weeks out from finishing. So thank you for your generosity generosity with that. Just very great to see, yeah. Beyond the details, though, of that, I just, you know, want you to think about the spiritual impact. You know, many years ago, we had several in our church give sacrificially to make this very auditorium happen. We stretched, we stepped out in faith and said, God, we don't know, you know, this seems crazy on paper, but we're going to do it anyways. And the fact that we have a very full auditorium here, many of you here for the first time or your first month, all because of the generosity who've gone before you. And it's really in that same spirit that I just want to extend an invitation for you to participate in another miracle God wants to do. You know, just a few months from now, there's going to be another Hopevale Church running in Bay City, and it's going to be a result of your generosity and your vision to share Jesus Christ with other people. I mean, here we are, the Christmas season, this story of the eternal Son of God coming into this world as a baby boy so that salvation could be offered to all people, right? And we're carrying that torch, and we want to see God do miracles in our generation so that the name of Jesus Christ would be exalted. And so if you haven't participated, we have a couple more weeks to go. Today's the 17th. We're running through the 31st right, and would love for you to be involved. We ask people that if you participated before to consider giving double or more, or if you've never participated before to think about how you can sacrificially give. And, and, and again, just in a way that is honoring to God and blesses other people. We've got offering envelopes out in the lobby at our welcome center and info desk. You can also give online. And again, for those of you who've already participated, thank you. I can't wait to be able to stand up here in a few weeks and celebrate with you what God has done in that. So with that in mind, uh, I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward. And um, as they do, as we prepare for today's offering. Uh, I know today's a very full service. We've still got some people coming in. And so if you've got, you know, an empty chair next to you, would you mind just squeezing in a little bit? We just want to be able to make as much room for people as possible. So would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray together. Lord, we are celebrating joy to the world, joy to our world through the giver of joy, your son, our savior, Jesus Christ. What a blessing, honor, privilege, joy it is to be gathered together in this place and with like-hearted, same-minded people to lift up our praises to you, O oh God, and to say thank you once again for your amazing grace, to say thank you for the gift of Jesus in our lives, light and life to all he brings, right? Lord, you bring us light. You bring us life through Jesus, and we celebrate that this day, and it's a message that we not only want to celebrate, we want to share with others. And God, just thank you so much 
for how your word is going out from this place, from this church, in word and deed, and that people are meeting, encountering Jesus through good news, through good deeds, through the good lives of people here. We give you praise. Father, we just want to commit these offerings to you now. Just thank you for being so generous with us. And would you take these gifts and multiply their impact for your glory and honor. And Father, we just want to pray for the work you want, you want to do in the service today, whether it's through ongoing music that we're going to engage with, whether it's Pastor Sam later on. We want to hear from you, Lord. Meet with us. Speak to us. We believe you're here. We believe you're alive. We believe that you are present and active and God, that you have our best in mind. So here we are. Speak, Lord. Give all this to you and pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to continue to worship and sing this song called Call Me Higher. Missy's going to lead us. Just stay seated. Sing along with us. Sit. I could just sit and wait for all your goodness, hope to feel your presence. And I could just stay, I could just stay right where I am and hope to feel you, hope to feel something again.
God, it's um, precious to come and sit in your presence and be reminded that um, you've called us to higher things and greater things in our lives. Um, I think we come today, I think most of us do, because we've experienced you in the past and we want to experience you again. God, may we experience you through um, your story. As we recreate your story this Christmas, may we experience you in a powerful way. So we recreate this story, telling the story of this child who is part creator and part man, part divine and part human, coming together as one flesh. It's never happened before and it'll never happen again. And so as we take time to honor you, the Christ child, do something in our heart today, we pray. Revive us anew. Call us back to what Christmas is really all about this day and this moment. Your name we pray. Amen.
Wow. <laughs> that was amazing. Thank you, Amy. Oh, my goodness. All right, we can go home. I'm <laughs> No, uh, my name is Pastor Sam, and I'm one of the pastors on staff here. I am I'm really excited to be here with you this morning. Um, we also want to welcome those of you who are in the venue with us, worshiping with us as a part of our Bay City crew. Um, we are, this is actually their last Sunday in the venue before uh, next month in January, they head off to Bay City. So there, there's a lot of excitement going on in, in that room um, this morning, and so we are excited with you, and we uh, can't wait to see what God's going to do in uh, in Bay City through you guys. So, welcome to our service. Uh, well, well, here we are. We are one week uh, away from Christmas, uh, just about. And if you have younger kids like I do, you can feel it getting closer and closer as the anticipation builds. And for those of you guys who do have younger kids like I do, one thought is running through our minds right now, right? And that thought is this. What am I going to do with them for two whole weeks without school? <laughs> That's a serious thing to contemplate right now for us. But no, it, it's good. I'm just joking. But the closeness of Christmas is definitely palpable in the Burke home right now. Uh, yesterday, I was driving my son Nick to his basketball game, and uh, we were talking about Christmas, and he just looks at me and he was like, it's a week away. And I was like, I know, basketball. Uh, but... We're, he was just so excited. And I know there are some certain gifts that my kids really are looking forward to receiving, and they won't let me forget about it because on that same drive, um, my son Nick reminded me that there's certain things that he expects for Christmas, <laughs> and I was like, okay, we'll see, buddy. It's a week away. You know, we're, it's okay. Um, and if they were to get those gifts, though, um, I am more than certain that they would broadcast it to everyone that was in earshot that they got them. I mean, neighbors friends at school, uh, the checkout person at Meijer. I mean, it doesn't matter. There would be like, we got this. I mean, they would be so excited for that. Have you ever received a gift like that in your life? I mean, some of you think about that a little bit harder, but you ever received a gift like that where, where you had to tell everybody about it, where you found yourself oversharing to a complete stranger because you were so excited about it. So I want, I want us to do something here in this service. Now, for some of you um, in here, um, you're going to have to reach way back in the vault to remember um, a gift like this. And for some of you, you're like, no, it's just last year. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to take the next couple minutes, turn to the neighbor next to you, and I just want you to share with that person one of those kind of gifts that you were like, I had to tell everybody about. It was so exciting, all right? I'm going to count to three, and we're going to go, okay? One, two, three, Go. All right, all right. Hopefully you were able to share. Some of you are like, I was just getting to the good part, okay? I had, uh, I had one of those kind of gifts when I was, I think it was seven or eight years old. Um, it, when I was a kid growing up, the, the thing that in my neighborhood was the cool thing to have if you were a seven or eight, nine-year-old, whatever, was um, a remote control car. Uh, but not any. It was like a, the fast kind with it had like the little um, remote that it looked like a, a gun and had the little trigger and you'd put a little like the wheel and you'd the RC cars. Those were awesome. We loved them. Um, and all of my friends had these like high powered fast ones and I wanted one just like it. And I kept telling my parents and I, we went to the store and I saw this one. It was called the Panther and it was red. And I was like, that's the one. 
And I told my parents that for like two years, I wanted one just like this. And one Christmas, they got me one, but it was like this big and it was blue and it was not the right one. And, and you, you've probably been there where you got the wrong gift and you're like looking at your parents with this utter like disappointment thing going on going, no, I wanted that one. But they're like, this is our gift. And you're like, okay, yes, I guess it's cool. And I'm out driving the car around and all my friends had the cool ones. And I'm like, this one's like, put, 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 put. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, ah. Oh. So I remember the, that Christmas, seven or eight years old. And I come, I, you know, we're down there. It's me and my sister and my parents. And, and they give me this box and I open it and it's the Panther. And I was like, oh. This is so amazing. And I was so excited. I forgot about the rest of my presents. And I'm like opening it. And I'm driving around my house, running into the refrigerator, running into everything. I'm like, yes. And so I finally got, you know, settled down, opened up the rest of the Christmas presents. They were all great, you know. Uh, but then I went and got that remote control car. And I ran outside because I had to. Growing up in California, it's not cold outside. It's like 50 degrees. So you're just running out. And I'm like, yeah. And I had to go tell all my friends because they were, you know, they, they would want to see this on Christmas Day. So later, it was like later on the afternoon. I'm going over knocking on my friend's door. Look. And so that whole week, we were out driving our cars around. I was so, like, I had a backyard with a big patio, and we were driving around, and I was running it into stuff. I was like, this is so awesome. And then I ran it into the wall and broke the front part off of it. And my dad goes, it's okay, it's okay. So he took out his, his uh, drill, and he put in two screws to make the little bumper thing go back onto it. And I was like, like brand new, yay. And so just, I just, I love, it was so exciting to me because I've been wanting this for like two years. And I was like, this is going to make, ah, I'm going to be just like all of my friends. And it was just a lot of fun. It was one of those gifts I can look back and remember and think, that was so awesome. And that was a great gift. And I used that car for a long time. I remember being in high school and pulling that thing out and going, I think this is still kind of cool and driving it around. I wish I still had it to give my kids. I don't think the battery would work anymore. But as great as a gift as that was, it wasn't the very best Christmas gift that I've ever received. In fact, the, the very best Christmas gift that I've ever received actually didn't come until about a month after Christmas um, because that was when my wife and I found out that we were pregnant with our son, Nick, our very first son, Nick, and it was in January. And I remember um, Sarah taking the pregnancy test and we were just looking at each other like, and I was so excited. And then, you, you know, we have to go to the doctor to get it confirmed to make sure it's the real deal. And so when they were like, yep, you're pregnant, I was like, I'm going to be a dad. And I was just so pumped. But you can't tell anybody right away. That's what, that was what my wife told me. So she said, you know, we have to wait till a certain day, and then we can tell everybody. So we waited, and then when that day came, I was like just, and so we, we told our parents, we told our brothers and sisters, we told all our friends. I told some random checkout person at Kroger. Um, I was like, I'm going to be a dad. And they were like, great, that's $5. Um, but I was just so excited. And then Nick was born, and it was like, and then I was so tired, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> but it was just so exciting, that news of, of sharing that this biggest thing that's happened to me in my life, I would just was out telling random people. And I, I don't know if you've ever been there where you've been just so excited that it just comes out and you just start telling people. And you're like, I don't know you, this is awkward. But I just got to tell you this. See, the wonder of Christmas, it's supposed to leave us feeling like that so excited that we just have to share it. We just have to tell it. 
I mean, we sing carols about it, Christmas carols as a reminder of it. You know, carols like, go tell it on the mountain, like that song. And it's like, yo, we're supposed to tell it Jesus Christ is born. Wonder is meant to be shared expectantly. That's the wonder of Christmas. But, but as I began to think about this in my own life, I started questioning something. And my question was this, I, I questioned if that's our reality. If that's our reality, I question whether or not we feel that sense of awe and wonder and amazement that causes us to take a risky, bold move and go tell it. But stepping into wonder demands that we pay attention to what God is doing and then move to actually do something with it. And so that was the experience that happened just outside of Bethlehem that night long ago with a, a group of very unlikely heroes, some plain, old, stinky, smelly shepherds. We've been introduced to a lot of people in this story as we've been retelling the stories of Christmas and the, the wonder that is happening. And, and we've been introduced to a lot of people, and today we're going to be introduced to these characters, the shepherds. And I think it's a story that's all too familiar to us who have been traveling with Jesus for a while on this journey called Christianity. And we've been introduced to these shepherds probably year after year after year after year. But this story, I, wanna, I want us to see it in a different way, in a different light. This story is actually an invitation. It's an invitation to experience the wonder of Christmas in all of its fullness. It's a story that defines the very essence of what it means to step into the wonder of Christmas. So this story is actually found in Luke chapter 2, and it starts in verse 8. That's where we're going to pick up the story today. So if you have a Bible, you can turn it there to Luke chapter 2. We're going to be in verse 8. Um, if you have a, a smart device, you can look it up there. I think it'll be on the Bible uh, or on the app, the Hopeville app as well, uh, under the message notes. Luke chapter 2, starting verse 8. This story actually begins where the story of the birth of Jesus left off from week 1 in this series. Um, if you were here for week 1, you'll remember that God used um, a very insignificant announcement of a census um, by the Roman government um, to move a rather insignificant family from the northern part of Israel in Galilee to a rather insignificant destination in Bethlehem. But it was there in Bethlehem that Mary and Joseph gave birth to the Savior of the world in a stable just next door to overcrowded Bethlehem streets. And so our story today begins where that story left off. And this story begins to define for us the wonder of Christmas and helps us see what the wonder of Christmas is really all about. Because in this story of the shepherds, we find this. We find that the wonder of Christmas first it captures our attention. It's meant to capture our attention. Let's look at these verses together. Luke chapter 2, starting verse 8. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord showed around them, and they were terrified. There were shepherds, living out in the field. So, so in a complete juxtaposition to the craziness and the crowdedness of Bethlehem, these shepherds are out in the fields. 
They're in the quiet of the night under a star-filled sky just tending to their flock of sheep. So if you remember the story, Bethlehem is crazy. It's crowded. It's, the census has caused everybody to move back into this little tiny insignificant town. Everything's full. Everybody is kind of like overcrowded and they're kind of like trying to figure out what. And just right next door to it is this stable, the birth of Jesus. And then next door to that is a, a quiet scene where there are some shepherds taking care of their sheep out under a starry sky. And I mean, speak about adding another element of seeming insignificance to the story. Shepherds? Shepherds get added to this story? I mean, being a shepherd was the job if you couldn't get a job. That's what it was like to be a shepherd. I mean, one commentary I read states this, that the shepherds were considered by the general public to be very untrustworthy people. And their work of taking care of the dirty, smelly sheep made them ceremonially unclean and unfit to walk into the temple courts and to worship. These people were considered outcasts of society. They were, they were unfit to be around everybody else. They were just not like everyone else. And so they were kind of like held at arm's length from the rest of society. And these are the details that we can't miss about this story because God chooses to reveal the birth of his son, not to the rich, not to the powerful or the ruling elite class of the day, but he chooses to reveal the birth of his son to the, to the social outcast, to the powerless, to the ones who everybody else has kind of ruled out and said, you're not worth it. That's who God chooses to reveal the birth of his son to. And they were in the fields nearby. And I think this is significant because just like that little town of Bethlehem, they are nearby the birth of the Messiah, but these few were actually available for it. They were actually available for it, while the little town of Bethlehem was completely unavailable, had no room in their life and in their time for anything like wonder. There's just something powerful about availability. There's something powerful about availability. The more available you are, the more margin you have in your life for quiet, the more you will be in tune to see God doing amazing things. And I think that's very true of these shepherds. They're available. They have, they have margin in their life to see God do some amazing things. Wonder, wonder's happening. Wonder is happening, but it's those who are available enough to pay attention who get to experience it. And that's the story of these shepherds. And I've seen this happen in my own life several times. Uh, I've lived here for almost seven years, six and a half years, almost seven years now. And uh, there'll be times, I don't know if this ever happened to you, but there'll be times I'm driving, it especially happens driving to work. Okay? I have a pretty strict routine driving from my house to our, our, our campus on Shattuck Road. And uh, that's where our offices are at. And I will drive that Shattuck Road all the way there and get there. And uh, there are times where I just kind of head down, go. And uh, I drive that way a lot. And one of, the, one of the times I was driving around town with my wife, and uh, I think it was on Titabawassee Road, I'm driving. And I, find, I look like around, and I'm like, huh, I've never seen that there before. I've never seen that. And my wife is looking at me like, are you kidding me? She says out loud to me, that's, that's been here since we moved here. And I'm like, really? I have never seen that before, ever. She's like, I see it all the time. 
And I think what happens to me, and I don't know if you're like this, but what happens to me, I'm so focused on the destination of where I want to go and how fast I want to get there that I'm missing everything around me and everything that's going on. Yeah, I'm paying attention to the thing and not to everything else. And I think Bethlehem is a, a picture of that, of people who are just so focused and paying attention. I got to be here for the census. I got to do this, got to do that, and I got to get out of town. That they don't get to experience what God's doing all around. They're, they're not available for it. But here are these shepherds in the quiet, tending their sheep, really pretty much cast aside from everything else in society, all the busyness. They can't, they can't even be busy because they weren't allowed to be busy, but they're there, they're available, they're waiting, they're watching, and wonder happens because they're paying attention to it, and it captures their attention. They're not too busy for wonder. Because I think a lot of times our minds are, are too preoccupied with our own stuff that we can tend to miss the wonder around us that God's doing. But having margin in your life will allow you to be available to experience the wonder like the shepherds did. So it says, an angel of the Lord appeared to them and they were excited? <laughs> no, they were terrified. They were terrified. Anytime in scripture that an angel or a messenger of God appears to people, immense fear is the initial reaction. And the shepherds are no different. It's almost like when, see, when things kind of seem out of place, when, I mean, you're standing there and, and no, no one's there and all of a sudden somebody appears there, I would be scared too. I would be like, this is not supposed to be happening right now. It tends to unsettle us. And that's what happens to these shepherds. But that unsettling feeling quickly turns for them to excitement. And they begin to get excited. See, the invitation into wonder can often be scary and sometimes downright terrifying at first. Because wonder causes us to, to see things outside of our normal and see things outside of our routine. It asks us to open up our mind, to take a risk sometimes. And, and a lot of times we're just like, no, nah, comfortable's good. I like comfort. But God's like, oh, I want to invite you into the story. I want you to experience something big. I want you to take a risk here. And that can be terrifying sometimes. It can be scary but that scariness of stepping into wonder for the shepherds quickly turns to something else. <laughs> and so wonder begins to capture the attention of the shepherds, and it begins to capture our attention too, if we will allow it. And then it begins to do something else. It begins to create anticipation. Wonder creates anticipation. Look at the look at verse 10. It said, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. So the angel's announcement that the, the long-awaited Messiah had been born, and, and not just born anywhere, but born right next door, it turned the shepherd's terror into thrill. All of a sudden, what they were scared about now has become, wait, this is great news. 
Because even though they were shepherds, they had more than likely heard the stories and the prophecies about the coming Messiah because everyone had heard that. And they'd heard it for such a long time that maybe they were beginning to lose hope that it would ever happen. But here are these shepherds, available, willing. Their attention is caught by this angel and, and he says to them, the Messiah has been born. He's Christ the Lord. This is good news. It's great joy. And anticipation begins to swell within the shepherds. What at first made them sore afraid, as the King James Version of the text tells us, now becomes pivotal in their experience of wonder. I mean, just imagine if you were sitting and just minding your own business and everything around you is still and quiet, and then this happens. It would be a little unsettling at first. It might be a little unbelievable. And it, not only is it the most unbelievable thing you've ever experienced in your life, but but it's announced that this baby that maybe you, you have been anticipating and hearing about and, and this promise, it's now happening and not just happening anywhere, it's happening right next door within tra quick traveling distance for you. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd get a little excited about that. I'd be full of anticipation. I would probably want to turn to all the people sitting around me and go, what are we doing sitting here? Let's get up. Let's go see this. This is a once in a lifetime thing. This is a once in a history thing. Let's go see this. And that's exactly what happens. So this, this anticipation is created within the shepherds. But it not only creates this anticipation, it would be really, you know, experiencing wonder. Sometimes you get to this point where it captures our attention and it creates this anticipation. We're like, yes, this is so good. But it can't stop there. It can't stop there because wonder ultimately, third, it calls us to action. It calls us to action. It called these shepherds to action. Look at verse, uh, verse 15. It says, When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's talk about this some more. <laughs> no. They said, Let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. The shepherds said to one another, let's go, let's go. They hear the message that the angels speak to them. They experience the wonder right there in those quiet fields. And now they have a choice to make. They have a choice to make. And it's a choice that every single one of us is presented with at Christmas time. It's not just a choice that the shepherds have to make. It's a choice that all of us, every single one of us, have to make at Christmas time. We hear the message of Jesus' birth, and the question that we have to ask ourselves is, am I just okay to hear it, or will I go experience it? Am I just okay hearing about the birth of Jesus, or will I actually experience it for myself? Will I act on what I've heard? That's the decision that the shepherds have to make. Or will I simply um, ignore it or simply explain it away as something else or just be like, oh, that was nice. That's a good story. We'll tell it again next year. Wonder, though, 
That demands a response. That calls us to action. And so they get up and they run to Bethlehem to find the stable with the manger to, to experience the birth of the Messiah. They experienced it. They arrive and they experience Jesus. They don't just hear about Jesus. They experience him. And after experiencing Jesus, they have another choice to make. And that choice is this. Do, I, do we keep this experience do our, to ourselves? Do we go back, sit in our, our little holy huddle out there with the sheep and, and relive this experience over and over again to those of us who've already experienced it? Do we do that with it? Or do we go out and tell everyone we meet, everyone we come in contact with about what we have personally experienced? They have a choice to make. And you and I have the same choice presented in front of us every year, every Christmas. We've experienced Jesus. Now what do we do with it? Do we keep it to ourselves or do we go and share it? The text tells us that the shepherds went out and they spread the word. You know, they could have been content. They could have been comfortable just to keep all of this to themselves, but but some things are just meant to be shared with everybody. Wonder, it demands a response. It calls us to action. And the message of the wonder of Christmas, that God sent his son to be the savior of the world, Emmanuel, God with us, it's meant to be invitational. The message of wonder is meant to be invitational. Wonder invites us in to the story so that we can invite others in to the story. Wonder invites you and me to experience Jesus, not so that we can have a good feeling, not so that we can sit with each other who've already experienced it and go, wasn't that great? But wonder invites us in to experience Jesus so that we can turn around and invite others in to experience him as well. Wonder invites us to experience all the amazement and the beauty of the story of Christmas. But then it invites us to turn around and invite others into the story, into the wonder of Christmas. And so as we, uh, as we wrap up this morning, and as we begin to head into the Christmas week, into the Christmas um, weekend, let me ask us a couple of questions here. Question number one. What is the wonder of Christmas inviting you to experience this season? What's the wonder of Christmas inviting you personally to experience this season? Maybe for some of you in the room here, the wonder of Christmas is inviting you to experience what the birth of Jesus Christ means for you personally. Maybe you've, you've come to church during the Christmas season, you've, you've heard the stories, you've heard all about Jesus, you hear it year after year, and you're like, oh, that's such a good story, I love that. I've got the manger scene out here, I'm like, ah, oh, it's so good. But maybe the wonder of Christmas is saying, I want you to take another step. And not just to hear about the story of Jesus, but to experience it personally, for yourself. Because ultimately, the wonder of Christmas leads to the cross, to the death of Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins and to the resurrection of Jesus 
to prove that he is victorious. And he did that for you and me to forgive us of our sins. And maybe the wonder of Christmas this year is saying, I want you to experience what that means in your life personally. That you can be forgiven, that you can be restored in your relationship with God because this happened in the first place. Maybe for some of you, that's what the wonder of Christmas is calling you to experience this season. Maybe for some of you, the wonder of Christmas is is inviting you to declutter your life. Remove some of the things that cause you to be too busy and too distracted to experience the wonder of Christmas itself. Or, Or maybe the wonder of Christmas is inviting you to regain that childlike anticipation and excitement of what God wants to do in you and through you. What's the wonder of Christmas inviting you to experience this season? My second question is this. Who? Who are you inviting to experience the wonder of Christmas this season? Remember, the wonder of Christmas invites us in, but it does so so that we can invite others in as well. It's, a, you know, it's an easy trap to experience the wonder of Christmas and then just keep it to ourselves. It's an easy trap. But the wonder of Christmas invites us to be invitational. It invites us into this amazing experience with Jesus so that we can go and tell it, so that we can invite others in as well. And and this is the very reason we decided last year to go to five Christmas services over two days. It's because we believe the wonder of Christmas is not a, a secret to be kept, but it's a story to be told. And we need to be the ones who tell it. And we need to be the ones who share it. And we need to be the ones inviting people to experience it. The shepherds spread the word. They invited others in. And so my question to all of us, myself including, is who am I inviting in to the wonder of Christmas this season? What's the wonder of Christmas inviting you to experience personally? And then who are you inviting into the wonder of Christmas this year? This upcoming Saturday and Sunday are perfect opportunities to not only experience the wonder of Christmas, but to be an invitational with the wonder of Christmas. And so we would say to you, come experience the wonder of Christmas and invite others along with you. Be like the shepherds. Be open and available to what God wants to do in and through you this Christmas season. And then turn around and spread the word and tell others and be invitational. Let's pray together. God, we... uh, We thank you for the example that you showed us of these these shepherds. And God, I can't even imagine what that would have been like, sitting out in the fields, quiet, just kind of doing what I always do, and then you interrupt and want to show me something big and different. And you, the angels sing glory to God in the highest. What an amazing experience that would have been. And yet, God, I think a lot of times, Those kind of things are happening all around us that you want to invite us into. And God, I got to tell you, I'm I'm guilty of being too busy sometimes to notice and see you working and doing amazing things. But God, you want to do those things in our lives. You want to invite us into that experience. And so God, help us be available to be ready to step into the wonder that you are showing all around us, especially during this season. And God, I pray that you would start sparking people in our minds that would come to our minds, co-workers, family, friends, neighbors, people around us who we can be invitational with, that we can say, you got to experience the wonder of Christmas too. Come with me. 
God, help us to be more like the shepherds who experienced it and then went out and spread the word and invited others to experience it too. That's the heartbeat of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help us to be that. In Jesus' name, amen. So the angels had this declaration in Luke 2. You can take us in, Mark. And they said, it's a glory to God in the highest. And so uh, we can join in that declaration together before we leave in our response of worship. Declaring that he's the first and the last, the alpha and the omega. So let's stand and do that before we leave today.
beyond the earth, your name is near, Emmanuel, God with us here, God please with us to dwell. That's our prayer that we would spend this week being reminded of the glory of God and we would share that with as many people as we come in contact with the the message of Christmas the wonder of Christmas next weekend is our Christmas services on Saturday and Sunday as you go from here may you be in awe and in wonder of the amazement of the birth of Jesus this week God bless you guys